And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. And in just a moment, we'll display the text for you to see as it's read. But we are studying the sermon letter of Hebrews, the New Testament book of Hebrews. It is a sermon letter written to a young Christian community where some of the people, due to persecution and hardship, have been considering leaving their faith in Jesus, leaving the Christian church, and going back to their former way of life as practicing Jews. And it was because of the cultural pressures, some suffering and some persecution, that they were being pushed in this direction of maybe letting go of Jesus, letting go of the gospel, and going back to a former way of life. And so Hebrews is a sermon letter that is written to say, oh, no, 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 don't, don't you dare give up the one true gospel hope you have in Jesus because He is superior to everything that you've known in the life as an Israelite, as a Jewish community. He's superior to angels. The author has said He's superior to Moses and Joshua and all the prophets And last week, in chapter 5, we heard the beginning of comments about the priesthood and how the author says he is, Jesus is superior to Aaron and the entire priesthood that you're thinking about going back to. Strong teaching, bold teaching, and now this morning, the author of Hebrews takes a kind of we'll call it a parenthetical pause of thought, and he changes the subject abruptly from what he's been talking about. After having made comments that we heard last week about the priesthood in Melchizedek, he interrupts that thought only to revisit it later, and he has what I'm going to call this morning a pastoral tweak. Now, we don't tweak each other's noses. At least I don't tweak people's noses. Maybe you do. But this is a pastoral tweak of the nose. And I'll just say this before I read this. um, Whoever the author of Hebrews is, pastorally, we wouldn't call him a shoulder-squeezing pastor. He tweaks you with truth. He comes with bold, frank truth. That's what he leads with. Now, we need a little bit of all of that in our life. We need a shoulder squeeze sometimes. We always need truth. And I want you to see this parenthetical pause, this abrupt change of subject. He's going to say some hard things. He's trying to get people's attention and awaken them. And this is how the Lord uses him to do it in the lives of these people. People. He tweaks these hearers and he tweaks us. How does he do it? Give your attention to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through chapter 6, verse 3. We have much to say about this, that is about Melchizedek and the high priesthood that he had just been talking about. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you Because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. And then we'll pause our reading here only to pick up his return to thought next week. Let's pray that God would bless us. Lord, if it was your intention to tweak the first hearers of this letter, perhaps it's your intention to tweak us pastorally. Lord, would you do it gently? Would you do it truly? Would you do it for our good and for the good of your church? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think I have your attention this morning. So there are three things uh, that I'm going to highlight this morning. And this is as simple an outline as I have ever preached. Three points, no subpoints. And the points are this, are these. Wake up, listen up, grow up. Okay? So kids, I expect you to be able to repeat this outline over your lunch as you talk to your parents about several things I'm going to say this morning. Wake up, listen up, grow up. And there is this kind of sense of tone to it, isn't it? Um, we got to be careful we don't read tone just like in an email or a text, you don't want to read tone into the writing. But there clearly is a pastoral intention here, and it is disruptive, right? It is, it is shaking, it is jolting, and that is what he's trying to do. So your first point, wake up. Years ago, uh, remember I was the campus minister at Erskine uh, for about 20 years. So about 17 years ago, something like that, I was in my office... And students would pop in in between classes and come visit, sit on the couch. And this young man came in on this occasion, and he sat on my couch, and I was working on my computer. My couch is over here. I don't know. I couldn't see it. And we would chit-chat and talk. He was just, he's just killing time, right? It was about 10 a.m. in the morning. So we're chit-chatting, and then I'm into an email, and then I realize, whoa, I've got a meeting. I've got to go. And so I wheel around and I say, hey, Will, I've got a... And Will is sound asleep on the couch, seated upright. We had just been talking. He is sound asleep. And I'm like, Ugh, well, I guess he's tired. Um, I'm going to my meeting. So I rushed out the door to my meeting. I left my office doors open. Three hours later, after two meetings and a lunch, I come back into my office and Will's still asleep on the couch. 
He's missed all of his classes. And I, I was like, Will, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. And I couldn't, I couldn't wake him up. Now, I'd like to say he was probably up all night studying and reading, and that's why he was so tired, but, but that was not the case. It was talking and playing video games and, you know, doing the things college uh, freshmen tend to do. But that memory of that event, it's not unlike a lot of ministry scenarios in the church. We can be a sleepy bunch spiritually. And that imagery, that language of waking up, it's what the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews is about. He is trying to get these hearers to wake up. They are falling asleep at the wheel on the most important and critical subject of the soul. They're falling asleep on the whole gospel promise of Jesus being the one true high priest, the one true once and for all sacrifice. And this whole letter, this is the third uh, series of warnings that he's given us now in chapter 6. But it's warning after warning after warning. And you could say it's a wake-up call after wake-up call after wake-up call. And so this morning, we need to wake up. Romans chapter 13 verse 11 says this, The hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. He uses that imagery of waking up from your slumber, waking up from your sleep. And so that means that we're not the only spiritually sleepy people that have ever existed. God's people... Humanity has always been a spiritually sleepy bunch. I had a roommate in college, and some of you may be this way. He did not set an alarm when he went to bed to get up in the morning. He set four alarms because one alarm would not awaken him. So he would set one near his bed. He would set some across the room which is a pretty good strategy if you're a heavy sleeper, right? To make yourself have to get up and, and go get it. Some of you are that way. Some of you are deep sleepers. And you have to set many, many alarms. Sleep spiritually, it's the same way. God has to awaken us. And for these Hebrew Christians and for us, He has written this strong pastoral letter, this strong word to say, wake up. Wake up from your spiritual slumber. Former president at Erskine College named John Carson, 20 years ago, told me that when he had been an Erskine student, he'd grown up in the church, he was familiar with Scripture, with the Gospel, but he said, it wasn't until my Christian roommate confronted me when a student, that it was like I awakened from sleepwalking, he said. And I always remember that phrase. I was walking around campus, but I was sleepwalking. I was not taking the Scripture seriously, the promises of God seriously. And maybe you're that way. Have you been sleepwalking? Have you been going through the motions? Or are you growing? Are you changing? Charles Spurgeon said this, Sleepy Christian... Let me shout in thine ears. 
The devil grins at your sleepy face. Wake up, keep watch, and be sober. You hear what he's saying? Wake up. Wake up. The devil loves your sleepiness. He loves it when, you, when your eyelids are heavy in the things of the Lord. And so wake up, be sober, pay attention to the things that God is saying to you. Second point, listen up. Listen up. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, what we read, he says this. We have much to say about this, that is about the priesthood and Melchizedek and all these deep, complicated points he's going to make. But he says, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Now, that's the language of the NIV. If you have an ESV in front of you, it says, because you are dull of hearing. You're dull of hearing. Now, some of you are getting older like me, and you're getting a little hard of hearing, right? You don't hear things quite as clearly as you used to. Um, that is not what this is saying. It, they're not hard of hearing in that they just... They just can't hear. The word here could just as easily as be translated dull as lazy, that they are sluggish, that they are numb, that they are slack. So it's really an issue of diligence. It's really an issue of trying. What he's saying is you don't even care. God is saying true things to you. He's given you his word. You just don't even care. You're not trying to understand these things. You're taking them for granted. And he says, listen up. Our reflection this morning, if you heard or put, paid attention to that, says faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. The relationship between faith and hearing is a critical one. Proverbs chapter 4 in our pastoral prayer Remember how it began? It said, listen, my son, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. And really, the whole book of Hebrews, as we know it, it is this word to listen, to pay attention, to accept wisdom and discipline as it's offered to us. And the author in chapter 2, verse 1, if you remember uh, from previous weeks, do you remember when he said this, the author to Hebrews? We must pay more careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away, so that we do not slip away. He's saying, listen, listen, listen up, wake up, listen up. Don't take these things for granted. You need to embrace them. You need to hold on to them. You need God's Word. So when we think about ministry and we talk about ministry, can, can I put it this simply? Ministry, as we know it, is really just as simple as our trying to create avenues to get God's Word in front of people, to get it into the lives of people. That they might hear it. Faith comes by hearing, right? We just read that. And so in all the things that we do as a church, we're just trying to get God's Word out there. And this evening we're going to do that, right? 
Barbecue is great. Ken Bain is cooking it, and it's going to be great. But we're going to sing. And if you come with ears to hear, if you come to listen, you're going to hear God's Word and gospel promises and assurances singing off the page, coming from the mouths of little ones around you, right? That's an avenue. That's a means of ministry. We want to sing true things. We want to read true things. We want to hear true things. William Cooper, a hymn writer of old, in his hymn, Sometimes a Light Surprises. We're not going to sing this tonight, I'm sure. Um, but listen to this. And it's, I don't, if you have a handout, I put it on it. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian while he sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of clear shining to cheer it after the rain. That's a lot of poetry, a lot of words there, but this is what he's saying. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian when he sings. That is saying there are these, you've had these moments, surely, where you've sung this hymn or maybe read this passage of Scripture a hundred times in your life. But then all of a sudden, it was like a light bulb went off. A light surprises the Christian when he sings or when he reads. It's the Lord who rises. The Spirit of God brings those words and those truths to light. And it's like you've never heard them before. You've never heard it in that hymn before. Or you've never heard it in that scripture before. And it jumps off the page. And that truth takes hold of you and wrestles with you in a good way. That's the avenues of ministry, whether it's preaching, whether it's singing, whether it's Sunday school, or I would say emphatically, or you're taking up your Bible and reading it on your own. These are all ways that we're called to listen, to be diligent listeners to the Word of God. Sometimes the light surprises us. Sometimes that light bulb goes off. We can't make it happen. We can pray for it to happen. But we need to listen up. We need to be diligent hearers, not dull hearers. God is at work through His Word, by His Spirit. We just want that Word to be out front, visible and heard as much as we can. So come tonight to the hymn sing. Pay attention to the lyrics and see if sometimes a light might surprise you this evening. Now, thirdly, and here's where the real meat of the sermon is, grow up. We're to wake up, we're to listen up, and we're to grow up. Listen again to chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Here the author is saying to these Christians, you need to be of mature faith. You need to grow up. You need to be men and women of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. 
That's what the author of Hebrews is saying here. It is time to grow up, to move on to maturity. Now, in thinking about that this week, I thought about childhood and that moving on to maturity that takes place. And one can't help but think about appetites, the appetites of a child, right? Now, some of you children, you can talk to your dad about this, talk to your mom. But, you know, we were kids once, too. And all we wanted was sugar and junk food. But mom and dad are saying, you got to eat your vegetables, right? And you've got your own stories to tell. Very few of you like vegetables. Some of you do. Others of you, you just, you crave junk food. Where there's no nutritional value, it just tastes good. About those same 17 or 18 years ago, I had two students come to me. They said, Paul, we don't know what to do about a roommate. I said, what's wrong? Is she messy? I said, no, not messy. She's great. But she does not eat like a human being. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, Paul, she only eats sugar. She has a meal plan in the dining hall, but she never eats there. They said, she literally, she lives off of Skittles and M&M's and candy. And I thought, are you serious? Because Don Hall's got pretty good food in it, right? They said, no, literally, she only eats sugar. And this girl, um, her skin color was poor. Her weight was tiny. She did not look healthy. There, there are issues there, right? But literally, she just wanted sugar. That's the only thing that she desired. And for whatever reason, she never grew up into an adult appetite. I'm told, uh, I understand her to be married now. And um, I understand that the diet really hasn't changed. That's concerning. The same is true spiritually. Spiritually, we can be used to sugar and to junk food, to baby food. But there's this moment that comes. And this is what I want fathers and moms to talk to their kids about. There's this moment that comes that you're like, you know what? I need to grow up. I need to eat like an adult now. And maybe your appetite changes so that you actually do get hungry for, for better and more nourishing foods. But we need to check our appetites this morning. Are we craving junk food or are we craving the meat of God's Word? Have we moved on from milk to maturity? Do we do anything to make sure that we're eating, that we're feeding as we should? That's childhood appetites, and we all had them, and we understand that. There's also childhood interests or childish interests. I remember as a little boy, and I was the youngest of three children, and I remember my older brother and sister growing out of playing with toys. So I would have, I remember having the, the Bionic Man toy and being like, hey, Rob, my older brother, let's play. And he, he said to me, I don't play with toys anymore. I've outgrown those. And I remember pledging in my little, however old I was, I'm never going to stop playing with toys. Whatever happened to him is awful. It's boring. I want to never stop playing with toys. I remember pledging that. And guess what? I don't really play that often with my bionic man anymore. <laughs> I moved on. I left it behind. And little kids, you hear this, and this is what you need to talk to your parents about. It just happens. 
You move on in maturity to something else. Something else now captures your interest, your attention. You find out how big the world is and there are all these other things and awesome things to do. I have three sons. My oldest son said I could share this story. I talked to him about this this week because I had a memory for him. He used to play video games all the time. Loved playing video games. And all of a sudden, he didn't play video games anymore. And so I called him and I said, Hey, Hamilton, I want you to tell me, what's your memory now as a 23, soon to be 24-year-old? What's your memory of when you quit and why you quit playing video games the way that you did? He's like, huh, that's a good question. He said, my memory is I got interested in other things, that the video games just didn't satisfy me, and I found that I was interested in other things. And that's when socially you started getting a friend group and having people to do stuff with, and it just kind of passed away. Now, you have your own stories to tell, and your children would do well to hear those. That you too loved sugar. You too loved to piddle away time doing childish things. But at some point, this moving on to maturity needs to happen, right? Let me put it this way. There is just nothing cuter than a little toddler in their pajamas coming out Saturday morning to eat the cereal And to watch TV. Isn't that cute? You've had that cute little toddler in their PJs and eating their cereal. Let me tell you what's not cute. (laughs) Go to any college campus and see your college young men dragging in at noon, wearing their pajamas, eating cereal. Like big toddlers. And I used to have these conversations. It's time to grow up. Right? Walking in with bedhead. You need to get up, take a shower, go to class, dress like a young man, and get out of this toddlerhood that you're perpetual adolescence that you're living in. Right? Now, the girls loved it when I gave that little talk to the young men. Girls loved it because they're like, yeah, they're gross. They're acting like kids. They need to, they need to grow up. The author of Hebrews is saying all of that to us spiritually. You need to move on to maturity. Now, he goes into some detail here that would bury us. And he calls it the elementary teachings of Christ. And he says you need to move on from these elementary teachings. The best summary of that, if you want to go get into that, the best summary I read this week was from Richard Phillips and his commentary on Hebrews. He says these are couplets. He's put pairs of thought together. And that what this probably is, is these are catechetical issues that were used to train early Christians in the faith. And the couplets concern justification, salvation. They concern sanctification and righteousness. And they concern glorification, judgment, and eternity. And as I looked at that, I think that's right. This is his way of saying, look, you need to move on from the introductory teachings of Christ and the gospel. Not that you move away from them, but you got to move on to real matters of daily growth and substance. Those things should be coming to bear in your life. That's what the author's saying. So when we read that, don't, don't think he's saying, oh, these things aren't important. He's not saying that at all. 
He's saying you should be moving on to 201 material from 101 material. And so concerning infants and toddlers, we could put it this way. Spiritually speaking, spiritual infants and spiritual toddlers are like physical infants and physical toddlers. One, they're not very good listeners, which is what he has said to them. Two, they don't understand or remember very much, right? Three, they're not yet skilled, he says. And four, they're not yet discerning. And so those are the words that he uses saying when you move on into maturity, you become a good listener who's hungry to hear God's Word. It's not a burden to hear God's Word and the truth of it. And as you grow and move on in maturity, you will hold on to that truth the way Proverbs tells us to. You will remember it. You'll seek to apply it. And then you'll become skilled in handling God's Word and applying it to righteousness. And as you move on maturity, you'll have discernment. You'll be able to distinguish what God says is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. But if you're spiritually immature, those, those four things are just, they're not going to be true of you. Now, we live in a day and an age and an era where all things about gender and sexuality leave our world completely confused. Whereas we've been given God's word, his righteous word, to discern what is good, what is evil, what is right, what is wrong. But imagine not having the foundation of God's word and trying to make sense out of sexuality today, out of gender. You have no categories. You'll be tossed and swept about, as the scriptures say that we would be. But that's not to be true of us. We're to have a mature faith rooted and grounded in God's revealed word, in God's revealed will. And we're to move on to our ability to discern, to apply, to make sense out of all the confusion that is taking place in our world. That's his tweak. Wake up, listen up, and grow up. It's time to move on in maturity. It's time for a healthy Christian growth. And I'll close with this. Two things. Remember that these people were thinking about going back to their former practice of Jewish faith? How could they ever do that? Why would they ever do that? Because they weren't mature. They were wanting to go back to a sacrificial system, a never-ending sacrificial system, because they didn't understand that Jesus was the one true, once and for all sacrifice and high priest. So you see, if you don't have your arms around what he's teaching about the priesthood and Melchizedek, that's the only reason you would let go of it and go back to a lesser exercise of faith. That's where this is all applying. This is what he's saying is, you don't know what you have. You don't understand what you are saying because you are immature in your understanding of the faith. You're not even trying to understand, he says. The rest of the scriptures teach us this, and I'll close with this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's our ultimate hope here when it comes to maturity. That the God who began some growth in us, He'll complete it. We're not going to be able to complete it. We've seen how fickle our hearts are. But the Lord will complete what He has begun in His people. That is our great hope. And thankfully, that's God's great promise. So let's pray that we would be diligent in our listening, our hearing, and our growing. That's our prayer, Father, as we've considered your word. You've called us to wake up, to listen up, to grow up. But we can't muster growth on our own. So, Lord, this week, would you, by your word and spirit, would you give us a hunger and a thirst for your word and for your righteousness? Would you give us the discipline, maybe, to awaken earlier in the day, to read it, or maybe to stay up late to read it, whatever the case may be? Would you help us to make use of the avenues that you've given us here at GPC? If we've not made good use of those, would you give us the discipline to make use of them? Would you give us sermons, many sermons, from many pastors, online resources of people to listen to or to read to help us grow up into a mature faith? Lord, we ask this and we pray this that we might hail the power of Jesus' name and be moved on to maturity in Him. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.